You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. Hello and welcome to Stories from Here, the podcast for creative people who are curious and who might be struggling a little bit with a couple of the issues that we're going to talk about today. I have my very best friend in the whole world, Amy B., here with me uh, because she's the same as me and we both struggle with being productive and getting rid of things and staying organized. So Amy, I'm really excited for us to talk about all of these problems today um, and share all of our wisdom. Um, So give us a quick intro to who you are if they haven't heard your other episodes, which I will link in the show notes. I am Amy Ballard and my family of eight lives currently in Germany, but we are moving to Arizona in the next couple months um, because the military is moving us. And, um, yeah, I have six kids, um, raging, raging, aging from 16 down to two and a half year old twins. And, um, yeah, I'm a creative like Lauren and I am a mess according to my husband and I am just, uh, me. Perfect. So, okay. So tell us all of your personality types, like your Enneagram, what, what, all the things, you know, okay. So I am an Enneagram seven, I believe. I I think, right. That's what you are. Cause we're the same. Okay. Seven. Mm -hmm. And I know this is not possible, but I, can you be like a wing or whatever the W is for? Because I think I'm that, um, I don't think it's possible. So I'm making it my own category. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have like the emotional things of the four. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. That's probably not possible. You can be nice. You can be a nice person. That's allowed. Okay. Also, I am an Aries and I'm told, I don't know too much about this, but I'm told that they're very stubborn and I am that. Um, and I, what are the other things? I took a personality test. I'm a, I and something extroverted. No. Yeah. Extroverted. Yeah. Anyways, I, those are the only, what other personality <laughs> Um, okay. So this is like really perfectly starting our conversation off. Well, um, do you know your, um, the, the better habits by Gretchen Rubin? Do you know that one? Oblige or rebel? I've, I have the book. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> if that's what, <laughs> what category do I fall into when I haven't read the book about better habits? <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, okay. So that's perfect. So I'm also a seven. Um, I, I don't really feel like I know any other personality types, but I feel like the seven is what I relate to the most. Um, and it's making, if you know what that is, we're like the really free spirited, a little, um, forgetful, kind of like wanting to do all of the things type personality. Um, so that makes perfect sense that we have all the books and can't remember any of the actual things. Um, so we both have self-diagnosed ourselves with ADD recently. Yes, we have. So that's something I am working through a lot lately is trying to figure that out. Um, But it works. Like 
if you are listening to this, it's probably because you're a creative person and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I struggle with all of these things too. I get excited about everything. I'm really distractible. Like I want to do all the fun stuff. Like Instagram is like the best and worst place for me because I see all the fun things that I want to do and then I don't have time to do any of them. Um, so when it comes to being productive, that's one of my biggest struggles is being overwhelmed by wanting to do all of the things and then getting distracted by everything else around me. What about you? Same. 1000%. I want to do all the things. I want to do all the things well. I see something that somebody else is doing. Like, actually, I've never been drawn to knitting. It looks cool, but it's not something I can pick up. But every other thing that you can possibly think of, I'm like, oh, I want to learn to cross stitch. And so I go all into cross stitching and I make a project or or I don't even finish a project. And I'm then like, okay, cool. I know how to do this. Let's go to the next thing. Um, and I know that's not the best trait, but it's also like, I don't know. I just, I, I want to create all the time. I just have this like need to create something every day, whether it's to make my plate of food look good or to make something. Um, I always have to be creating something. So, but that also means. (laughs) (laughs) She's like banging on the door with her little tiny hand. (laughs) He wants to get in. Um, So yes. Um, so always wanting to create, but my husband jokes and he says that I, I walk into a room and I touch something and it just explodes because I'm a visual person. So for me, if you put it away, I will not remember that it's necessary. If you want something done, it has to be visually in front of me. Checklists cannot be in my phone or in a book. They have to be like taped to my wall or it's not going to happen. So because of that, since I'm so visual, my, my, I know I'm most productive when I can see everything laid out in front of me. And that does not go well for people who want to have a super clean house. So. Yes. I we, We're married to the same person, obviously two different people, but same people. Um, and so they definitely commiserate about us because I am the exact same way. My husband, I'm like constantly like spilling stuff or just making giant messes of things. And I don't even see them anymore. Once I make the mess and I'm like done with it, I'm just... I'm done with it. And it's just disappeared. Um, And so that's why I want to have this conversation because I think people who write productivity books are like type A kind of people who are just naturally productive. And so they're like, let me tell you, my body wakes up at 5 a.m. And then I do a workout and then I have three top priorities to do for the day. And then I do them all and I'm done by midday and I have a fun filled afternoon. Um, my day looks like I stay up too late doing something fun. I oversleep. I wake up like disoriented um, and frantic. And then I like wander the house. Um, finally, I get it together and I like kind of start doing things, but I don't really know what should go first. And then I, I'm an obliger. So I like want to help other people. So I always do the things that are for other people first. Um, and then I might like there's a giant mess I should probably clean up, but I probably need to do some other things. And um, then my husband comes home and says, what did you do today? And that's what I did today. Yeah. What and about it's you? No, there's no way you can tell him what you did because you know you did stuff, but you mm-hmm. don't know exactly what you did. And maybe if you're like me, you never actually really finished any of those things that you said you were like working on. So mm-hmm. by the end of the day, you, you just made a little bit of headway in everything, but nothing really 
got finished. I don't know if you're that way. Yes. Yes, exactly that. And then I tend to like beat myself up because I didn't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. And I, I think to add into the mix of all of that, I wake up, like you said, disoriented. I actually wake up at 5.30 naturally. And then I'm like, this is too early. And I put my, I don't get out of bed. I get, I go back to sleep. And then I'm like all groggy and weird because I slept at a, like a weird REM cycle extra added on. So then when I do wake up, I, I feel rushed. Like I have in my mind, okay, I, these are all the things that I feel like accomplishing today. These are all the things people expect me to get done today. And obviously none of it, I mean, not all of it can possibly be done in one day, but I have that like frantic feeling from the moment I wake up, but then I just wander around the house like a zombie and tend to whatever fire is put in front of me. And I know it's a little bit different for you and I, but with all of the children that I have, anything they ask me to do, like, mama, can you read this? I need help with this. Can we take care of this? That is my immediate focus because it's the thing right in front of me and it's the the fire that I'm seeing that needs to be put out. So all of the things I want to do or the things that I have kind of get pushed to the end of the day. And then I stay up too late. Like you just said, then I'm after everybody's in bed, then I'm trying to do the things that I felt like I needed to do or whatever it might be. So. Exactly. And so that's why I like love our different perspectives. Um, So I, um, Lost my train of thought. Different perspectives because we both have the same viewpoint. Yes. Okay. So we both run our own businesses. Amy's a photographer. Um, I have my art business. Um, We have both lived all over the world. She has a whole bunch of kids she takes care of. You know, my dog doesn't go hungry. Like, you know, we are functioning in the day to day. So we have figured out some productivity tips that work for people with brains like ours. So we're going to share some tips for you. Do you have some productivity methods that like don't work for you at all? Uh, yes. Oh, there's many more that don't work for me than do work for me. Probably. Um, I, I do not do well with the, um, with the, uh, the goal planning. I'm not, I'm not good Mm-mm. with goal planning. Um, I don't know why. And also checklists tend to stress me out. If, if there, if somebody else makes a checklist for me, it stresses me out. There are, <laughs> there are days when mm-hmm. I, the milk expiration date stresses me out. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it just gets, if it's when somebody else tells me to do something, I could be doing what you're wanting me to do. It happened this morning. I was putting my clothes away and my husband walked in and said, can you finish putting your clothes away? And I was like, I'm, no, I'm busy. And I was, I was doing it. I didn't want him to know I was doing it, but that stubbornness, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm broken. But, um, <laughs> Yeah. I can't have somebody else tell me what to do. It has to be my own. That's why I'm an entrepreneur and that's why I homeschool. And that's why I do all of these things. Cause nobody can tell me what to do. That's hilarious. I get so mad at the same exact thing. Like when Terrell will be like, Hey, can you like help me clean something? And I'm like, have like a cleaning rag in my hand. I'm like furious. I'm like, don't you see what I'm doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, if I'm if I'm doing it, it's fine. But if you ask me to do it, it does make me mad. I, I don't understand what is wrong with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm goal. not a big long-term goal planner either. Yeah. I can't, I don't know what it is. I think it's too abstract for me that it's like this big, 
like idea in my mind, but if I don't have actual steps to take that I can do right now, it won't happen. And mm-hmm. also that whole thing about like doing what's directly in front of me. It, when I get an idea that I'm excited about, I do it immediately because I know if I don't do immediately, do it immediately, I won't do it. And I think that's how goals feel for me. They just feel so far away that I, mm-hmm. it, it just, I just know it's not going to get done. So is that, maybe that doesn't make sense. All the goal planners. No, that, I feel the, yeah, I, but, but that's the thing. Like, that's why I want to talk about this because I don't do goals well either. Like, you know, people always have you do those exercises where it's like five years from now, where do you see yourself? And I'm like, uh, alive. Like yeah. that's the best I got. I don't know. Um, I can barely like, tell you about tomorrow. Yeah. So I'm not a big like visioner, like long-term visioner and like big, huge goal setter. Like I have to set like little tiny goals and it's more of like, I want to like, it's more project-based. Like I'm going to make a new set of jewelry, you know? So that's what I'm just going to like work on the jewelry versus like, I'm going to have the most thriving jewelry business in all of Etsy. Like that's a harder yeah. goal for me to visualize and understand what all goes into that. But today, like I can work on my Etsy shop, but working towards that huge goal is hard for my brain to understand. And I think too, for both of us, it's that we we get so excited about so many things that having those goals so far out, we know that something else exciting is going to happen before that. And we're going to want to play with that. So yes. we know that like, I don't know. When I met you in Dubai, you were sewing quilts and you were get, doing the messy journals. And what else were you doing? Those two things and the stories from here. The stories from here you've stuck with. And not that you haven't stopped sewing, mm-hmm. but you're weaving now and you're making earrings and you still do messy journaling, but not as focused as you were, you know? And when you met me, mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of project life, which I'm not doing anymore at all. And what else was I doing? Photography, that still stuck around. But you know, like we get excited about new things and we go after that. Yeah, exactly. I think I struggle to commit to things because I want to stay open to fun new ideas that could come along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, what does work for you? Like what's a organization productivity method that you do use that you actually can get things done from and see, see priorities happening? I, I do work really well with the three things that I can do in a day. Um, I have this really form. I have to have a paper planner. First of all, I cannot use a digital Mm -hmm. planner. It has to be paper. Um, and so I keep my big gigantic paper planner that I would, I don't carry with me when I go places, but it stays open in my house. And every day it has three things for the day that I, that I tell myself to do. But the kicker is I don't write them down till that morning when I wake up and I wake up and I'm like, these are the things I feel super excited about or panicky about, or, you know, overwhelmed by. And these are the three things I'm going to do today. But the the other thing about it is I, on purpose, because I know myself, I give myself one hard thing and two easy things. <laughs> I sound like I'm parenting myself, but mm-hmm. it's for real. Because if I can package <laughs> up a box to ship at the post office that package up that box is one of my things. And when I check it off, that feeling of accomplishment kind of snowballs into the next thing. 
And so then the next thing might be something simple like pull the chicken out of the freezer for dinner because I will not remember it if I don't do it in the morning. And then I can check that off. And then all I have left is that one big thing left to do. And that big thing might not be that big to somebody else, but it might be to me, but it feels like something I can get done. So the three things works really well for me. That's, yeah, I have a paper planner also. It's the only thing that I can do. Something about the computer, just like, it's like it just sucks it into like a vortex, like a black hole. I don't know where things go in there. Exactly. Um, So I have to write it down. Sorry. All these other things are popping up and like dinging and uh, distracting me. And then I get sucked in and then I don't even know where I was to begin with. So yes, paper planners, keep going. Yes. Exactly. Paper planners all the way. Um, And I have tried a ton of them and I have found a few that I really like and I'm about to try another new one. Um, But I'm getting closer to like the perfect day like planner for me. But yeah, with the writing things down, I think some people just know what they're going to do that day and they can do it whether or not they have the list. But I'm with you. I have to force myself. It's like I use all of my energy to manage myself and do the things that I'm supposed to do that day. Like I spent sit down and spend like labor over writing down what time I'm going to do things, exactly what meals I'm going to have for every single meal of the day, how many cups of water I'm going to drink. Like I have to write all of that down or it just won't happen. Like if I don't set myself up with a plan, I don't know what I would do all day. Like I would just wander around. Um, And I still do that with the plan sometimes, but like I said, I spend a lot of energy managing myself to do things. And I think people who are naturally productive don't understand that. Yeah. That, that much energy is needed. I agree with you. I have another stupid thing that really works for me. Okay, please. Okay. So since we moved to Europe, so this is our third time having lived in Germany and from what I've gathered and any of our European listeners can correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem that they wear athleisure wear or yoga pants or pajamas or anything like that outside of the house. They always look very nice and very dressed and very not going to the gym. Um, so because of that, I have kind of adapted to that um, mentality outside of the house. Inside my house, I love to be comfortable. But if I have to go somewhere, I'm putting on pants like jeans. You'd never just wear comfy pants out. And so um, that... I realized after many, many moons that just the simple act of putting on jeans in the morning instead of jumping right into my comfy clothes has a huge impact on how productive I am during the day. And I know that sounds so silly, but if I put on my pants, uncomfortable pants that, you know, they're like my go-go pants and just jeans and I get so much more done in a day. I don't know why. That's such a silly trick of my mind, but it works. Yeah, I did the same thing. Um, do you have a morning routine? Mm. I, I, I'm growing to have one. And this is in my, if Amy was perfect world, my morning routine is that I do wake up early. Because when I do wake up early, I am very productive. It's just getting me to that point. Um, but I lately, in the last three weeks, my daughter and I have been getting up not super early, like seven Um, And we get up and we spend some time together in a Bible study and then we do our workout and then we make a smoothie and then we are off on the day taking care of all of the people. So that has been my most 
most uh, common routine. Not every day, but on good days, that's what it is. And it's very helpful because then those things are done and I feel like Mm -hmm. ready to attack the day. Yeah, I've always struggled with the morning routine and I've always been so curious about it. Um, And you have little kids, so getting up early is definitely like a given that you don't have a ton of a choice in. Um, so I don't. And so that is something I struggle with and I'm like always pushing myself to do, but also in like learning who I am that I just don't do well in the morning and I have a lot of sleep issues. So like it helps to have that like time to sleep in, in, in the morning. Um, but I found that I can't have a super involved morning routine and I can only really maintain one habit at a time. Like I had gotten really good at like writing in my journal, um, like doing morning pages. And then I tried to add in reading a book. And so that kind of started like getting a little harder to do both. And I was maybe doing one or the other. And then I added in working out and the, the journaling and the book are just done. Like I can handle the self-control of doing one good habit in the morning at a time. And then that's it. Do you feel like you, yeah. can you like habit stack really well or you, you kind of have one focus? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm lucky. Okay. So you said about the, the young kids waking up is kind of a given. I don't know how this happened, but my babies actually sleep until like 9am and that is unheard of. I feel like among all of the other moms I know, babe, kids usually wake up much earlier than that. So I don't know what happened there. I'm very thankful for it because that way, if I do get up even at seven, that gives me still two hours of time to before they they awaken and just have so much energy. So there's that. But second, I also, and I don't know if this will resonate with too many people, but I have Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease. And because of it, I have to, I don't always have my medication correct. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm only like three or four years into having it or knowing that I had it. Um, and because of that, it makes me very sleepy. Um, a lot of times when my, when stuff is off or when I'm having hard days, um, I get really, really tired. So even though I know waking up early and being productive in the morning and all of that is a good thing, there's two things that I acknowledge and really give myself grace for one. Not everybody's a morning person. And I've read this in multiple studies and I'm okay with that. I'm okay if I'm not a morning person, So if I get up, yay. If I don't, I'm okay with it. And two, I'm huge on sleep. So if I had a bad night sleeping, I'm not going to force myself out of bed. Maybe this is bad advice, but this is just personally how I handle it. (laughs) I'm going to let myself sleep because I know that my body still needs more sleep. And I am also okay with that. And there are days when I will have to do our workout and our Bible study or whatever at lunchtime after the babies go to bed, like at nap time. Um, and days that it just doesn't get done in general. And while I don't love that, um, I know that sleep is really important for all aspects of, of me and my children. So I'm big on those two things being done. So there is still a lot of grace in there for myself if I don't do the ideal perfect thing, because I know my body is telling me something. Um, and I'm, I'm okay to listen to that. So. I think that's super important because people like us who, you know, aren't just like rigidly productive all the time, and maybe you are a really productive person and you're like, that's not what it's like, but that's what it looks like on the outside to those of us who are, like we said, struggling to remember to like get dressed half of the time. Um, 
And yeah, to figure out like what you can let go, what's like a true priority and how do you deal with the moments when you're like, I don't want to do any of this. Like, I just want to go like watch TV. What do you do? So 50, 50, I either go watch TV and Mm -hmm. I call, we call, we, I mean, we homeschool. So on those days, I'm like, let's watch something educational. So I still feel like I'm providing them some sort of education. Um, but also there are days when I'm like, no, this is just me actually being lazy. I got a great night's sleep or, you know, this is just, I'm just feeling some kind of way and I'm making excuses. So it's either that I buck up and tell myself that I have to do this, or I'm like, Hey kids, we're having a chill day. Let's, let's just do what we need to do to feel okay about today. And, and other times too, mine are, I have old and young at the same time. Um, there are days when the babies have been laid down for a nap and my big kids have lots of energy and I don't. And they know that sometimes I struggle with my energy because of the, of the um, health issues. So there's days when I take a nap on the couch or I take a nap and they're really sweet about it. And, and I'm thankful for that because they know um, that I need that sometimes. So yeah, it can be both. I, I'm the exact same way. I think sometimes it's like that kind of creative energy in me saying like you either need to chill out because you're doing so much or you need to go do the fun thing. Like watching Parks and Rec for me is like important, you know, like I enjoy it so, so much. So like vegging out and watching TV is not what I'm doing. Like I am like processing something or taking a break. Like I have realized that that I need to give into that more because I'll spend so much time fighting it and then I won't do anything productive or do anything fun, you know? So I'm like, I would rather do the fun thing and have something to show for my day than the fighting it all and doing nothing in the end. Um, And then I've been, yeah. And it's just so hard to like give yourself the grace to do that because like as creative people, that is what we need. Like whether it be parks and rec or just playing with your art supplies or whatever it is, like give into that if that's really what you want to do. You know, I mean, like obviously you need to like go pick your kid up from school, but if it's like, do I do the dishes or do I go do the fun creative thing? Normally, if I do the creative thing, I can do the dishes in like three minutes, you know, afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny that you say that because literally today we watched Parks and Rec and I was productive for about half the episode. And then I felt I was like, guys, I got to take a quick nap. And it was only like a 20 minute power nap. And I felt amazing. And I popped up and I go, go, went and did the things. But you brought up a good point. Um, when we have to give into that and that being a uh, time of like relaxation and rest, if as just as an example, since we're in, we're 15, 14 days out from our movers coming. So we're trying to prepare our home because we don't get to pack up our stuff. The military sends a company, they pack up everything for us. So we have to make sure that we pull out a couple months worth of stuff that we need because we won't see our household goods until we get to Arizona until we have a house. So we need clothes and, you know, school things and all of that for, over the summer and slightly into the fall, um, to keep us, you know, functioning. And so we kind of have to sort through everything. And, and we're also, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but we're also going through kind of a minimalist, um, 
upheaval in our lives. And it's a lot of emotional things going on right now. Um, this, you know, intercontinental move, my kids are having to say goodbye to their friends. There's a lot of things. So today we spent all morning going through my 16 year old daughter's room, which was very emotional. And, um, then when nap time hit, both of us wanted to sit down and watch Parks and Rec and just chill. And my baby sleep for about three hours. So that's a lot of time we could be getting stuff done while they're asleep. But it's also a wonderful time of rest. And that's the only time of rest because when they wake up, they hit the ground running. So I told my daughter we had to half and half it. We had to spend an hour working really hard in her room. And then if the babies woke up early, that still meant we had an hour of time to rest and watch Parks and Rec. So we did that and it was perfect. And it worked out exactly that way. And we literally set a timer on my phone to know that this is all the time that we had. And we had to bust our butts to get through that one hour. And then we would allow ourselves to rest. And it worked out really well. But there are days when it doesn't work out. And I know that I cannot function any longer unless I take a time of rest and after that time, I know I will be much more productive. So, yeah, I think rest is different for people like us because I think I have a million things going on in my head all the time. Like, literally, like, I feel like they're like the Sesame Street characters all like screaming in there and like running around like crazy all the time. Yeah. And so, yep. yeah, having yep. like, Yes, like sections of rest in the day are so helpful or just like changing scenery or changing what I'm doing is really, really helpful. And I also use the Pomodoro technique where you set a timer, you work for so long, and then you take a break. Um, and it really, really does make a difference. I have, a, um, you know, those little devices, I don't want to say its name. And I have yes. her set timers for me. It's like the number one thing I use it for. Like, it is the most helpful thing because I'll be like, do a 15 minute timer and then I have to be done with this or, you know, I could do it and then I'll take a break. Um, it's, it's one of my biggest productivity hacks for sure. It's using yeah. the timer. Awesome. Um, okay. So let's go into the minimizing thing because you start, you brought it up and it's perfect segue. Um, so again, I wanted to talk about this all in one conversation, like productivity, minimalism, creativity. Like I feel like they all really, really are intertwined and creative people tend to struggle with both of these topics so, so much. So I watched the, um, what are the minimalist guys, their, uh, their new documentary less is now on Netflix. And I told Amy, I was like, I'm changing my life. And so Amy watched it. And then Amy was like, I'm changing my life 10 times more. So you are like hardcore, <laughs> hardcore into the minimizing now, but you also have eight people to minimize for. So you have a lot more stuff than we do to go through. Okay. So creative people, as you can see, if you're like watching the video, you can see I have like, I'm covered in like art supplies and stuff. So um, I read the um, Marie Kondo's uh, The Magic of Tidying Up. And I was like, okay, but you know, the whole thing is you touch something and you see if it sparks joy. And spoiler alert, everything sparks joy for me. Everything's pretty. Everything's fun. Everything has a purpose or could be, could be made into something like that does not work for me. Same. I can't, I can't. I read that book and I was the same. I was like, well, okay, so nothing's leaving my, I'm actually bringing more into my house. I'm going yes. to go and touch all the joyful things and bring them home with me. 
Yeah. So I know creative people can understand. And there is a like fine line between wanting to work in a space where you're surrounded by all your beautiful things that inspire you and encourage you and make you more creative. And then you have all of your supplies at hand. But then there's like a line where your brain is like Sesame Street on fire, you know? So what felt like was the spark? I know my moment of when I was like, okay, I have to deal with all my stuff. What was the moment for you? Well, I mean, you recommending that show, I put it off. I mean, I do everything you say. So this is not like a surprise. So I didn't want to watch that show. And then you suggested it. And I was like, okay, well, now I have to. So I did. And I'm pretty skeptical, I feel like, of documentaries and things like that, because I'm always like, what's who's who paid for this and what's the bias here but this one really resonated with me i think because we have been trying and this is this is such a like big ball of stuff because this comes from such a place of privilege and i acknowledge that and i know not everybody can minimize so tiny bit of background my husband's grandmother and mother have both passed away since we've been married and his grandmother raised him. And when she passed away, she left her house to Phil and his sister. And so she had a lifetime of, she didn't just buy stuff. She bought antiques and very, like very specific things. She worked at a um, a university in the art department. So she had all this artwork from uh, artists who were students who then became very famous people. And so it's like very high value stuff. And like, like you can't just take it to goodwill kind of things. So when that, that happened at the very beginning of our marriage and we inherited half of her house, which was a big gigantic house. So we have from the beginning of our marriage been trying to like figure out what does all of this stuff mean to us? You know, like, what do we do with this? We want to honor Nana's memory, but like, you know, there's just so much stuff. So it has been, we've been married for 16 years now. So we, I feel like our entire marriage, we've been trying to get rid of stuff. And on top of that, as a military family, we have moved every two to three years on average and every single one of our moves, except for one. So out of seven moves, six of them have been from one continent to another continent, which means that we do not know what type of house we are going to live in. We've had to purchase furniture that is specific to that house, appliances, you know, whatever it might be. Um, Curtains. I don't know if you have ever, I'm sure you do in the whole expat community, but every house you live in, no curtains ever work the same for the next house. I don't know why, but then you keep the old curtains and you think you're going to use them maybe again. And then you never do. And then you're a hundred years old and you have five boxes of curtains. Anyways, so we have all all of this stuff that we've gathered from all of this life. As my friend Lindsay put it, we're like turtles and we've been taking our house with us everywhere we go. And it's kind of hit me now that we have eight people in this house that, oh my gosh, why is there so much stuff? And why am I cleaning all the time? And why do I have this emotional connection to things? I can't take any of this with me when I die. No one is going to know that this was important to me after I die. Why am I leaving that burden to my family and what can I do about it right now? So that's kind of the knee jerk kickstart reaction for me was why is all of this here and what can I do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So we have done three international moves and we just moved 
to back to the States. Um, and we're living in the smallest place we've ever lived in. And we also have access to everything. I mean, I have a target seven minutes from my house. So I have access to literally everything. And so in the past, when I lived overseas, I could um, like justify hoarding things. Like I needed a hundred razors because they didn't sell my razors in this country. So I would bring enough back for the year to last, but now I could just Amazon a new razor tomorrow. Um, so we're living in this really tiny space. And so we had stuff that we had stored when we left America seven years ago, we had stuff we brought with us. And then when we got here, we bought new stuff, obviously like furniture. So we moved with our suitcases and with our stuff in storage and the stuff we bought. And we we're like, okay, our house is our house is fine. And then like 37 boxes came from our life overseas. And I was like, oh no. So we now have like three households in one very tiny apartment. And we watched the documentary. And the true breaking point for me was. I got tired of organizing my pajama drawer. Like it was out of control. I could never fit all of my pajamas in the only one drawer that I had because I just don't have room to have five dressers for pajamas. And so that pajama drawer was my breaking point. I was like, we have too much stuff. There's no reason to have this much stuff. We're never going to use it because, you know, if you've ever traveled, you've taken one suitcase and had more than you needed. So why do I need a whole house full of stuff? That's way more than what I need. Yeah. And so that was kind of the moment yeah. that really pushed me over the edge that I realized I had to make some changes. Um, yeah. So, yep, I'm the same with pajamas necessarily, but definitely with any number of items, household items you could mention, like water bottles. Why do we have 8,000? <laughs> I know we get them for like, sometimes with different things and they all have been used, but why? We don't need that many. Yeah. So, but here's also the thing is the struggle of being a creative person and loving all the things. And I have, I have literal piles of wood inside my house where I'm like, I'm going to hang on weaving from this one day and it's driving my husband crazy. Um, But I just can see a use for something. And as we talked about, not the most productive, so I'm probably not ever going to get to it, but I really had this idea. And I loved the day I got to go to the beach and pick up the driftwood and bring it all back. Um, But when people talk about minimalism, they think like completely white walls, like nothing on the walls, no decorations, no art supplies everywhere. So I have started to describe myself as a maximal minimalist. Um, because if you like look at my house, I have like gallery walls where there's like literally like frames, like floor to ceiling everywhere. And I absolutely love it. But I've worked to where there is nothing on the floor. Like I have throw pillows on the couch, but I don't have like boxes of things stacked up on the floor. Like I don't have side tables shoved full of like books and just random knickknacks and trinkets. So I figured out what helps me create a really beautiful, inspiring, creative environment without and then being in a room where I literally am physically tripping over things. How do you feel like you found your style of minimalism? 
I definitely think I'm still learning. I, um, I, like I said, this just happened in January and I all, I just told my husband the other day that I, I even kind of regret like what we purchased for Christmas and we did not even purchase that much. I mean, we, we, I think we got each of our kids like one gift, honestly. And the, the, we have so many relatives sending them things that they got such a small amount of stuff. And I already regret like the one thing that I got each of the kids. Cause I'm like, we didn't need that. It's just taking up more space. They don't really use it like we thought they would kind of a thing. So, um, in the learning process, I think, um, I agree with you that I realized how much, um, like I, I fill our house and don't recognize and how much I put in a box because like you said, we live overseas and what if we can't get this or like our mail takes, if we want to order something from the States, it takes, you know, two weeks to three months to get anything. And, um, so it's not nothing. And with homeschooling, like if there's something I think I need for homeschooling, if it's got any text in it, it can't, I can't find it here in Germany. I have to order it from the American company or, um, if there's craft supplies, they're not really easy to find here. And, and Germany right now we've been in lockdown, um, since December and stores have barely been open. And if they are open, it's not easy to shop at. So all of that to say is I feel like I can justify a lot of reasons for why we have all this stuff. But when I really got down to it and I was looking around, I realized I have stuff under stuff and I have boxes of things in weird places. Like why, why under my, my dresser, do I have shoe boxes filled with things and coming to realize that all this just stuff was shoved everywhere. When I started picking it apart, I was like, we don't need all of this. Why do we have this? And it was easier for me to let go of it because I, I know that I can't even use all this stuff in my lifetime. I know that it's just causing me more heartache because it's more, I spend more time organizing and moving stuff around than I do actually enjoying and using the things. And that's really embarrassing to say, but I feel like I've recognized it now. And it's the famous theologian Oprah once said, when you know better, you do better. Maybe she quoted somebody else on that. I don't know. But I think about that a lot because I feel like I'm trying to do better now that I know that this has been a problem and that this is something that can be fixed. Oh, I absolutely agree. And again, it does come from a place of privilege, but I can get anything that I need. You know, like if I decide to get rid of all of my shoes for some reason, you know, and I need a new pair of shoes for a certain thing. First of all, most likely I have another pair of shoes that will already work. And so a lot of minimalism is making sure that you are using things well and multi-purposing things. Um, but I can always go to the store and just buy the new pair of shoes. Um, but likely I won't need to. And even if I do end up, if I get rid of a hundred pairs of shoes and I end up having to replace one, I'm still so much happier having 99 less pairs of shoes that are just sitting. And it also makes me feel guilty that they're sitting and not getting worn. Um, and so I have realized that, that I can get everything that I need uh, if I do get rid of something. And I've also realized in getting rid of things yesterday, I was having a really hard time. I've been going through my clothes. That's probably what I have the most of is clothes. And I haven't left the house in four years, honest to goodness. Like since I started working from home, I haven't left the house in four years. So I haven't gotten dressed. Um, so why I have a hundred dresses. <laughs> Why I have a hundred nice dresses, I don't know. Um, so I, 
He is really mad at somebody walking down the street. Laszlo. Um, sorry. Anyway, I have realized that I can't make a wrong choice. You know, whether I choose the blue dress or the pink dress to keep, like there's not a wrong or right choice in that. Um, so remembering those things has helped me in the process of letting go of stuff. Um, and what about you? Like, what are some things that you're thinking when you're getting rid of things that's helping you let go? So many things I had to make a list because there, there are consistent thoughts that run through my head as I'm going through this. Um, and one, one of the things I, I like what you said about like, how you could, because of privilege, you know, be able to just go out and buy what it, whatever it is that you need, if you needed to. I think that is definitely something that's shifted in my mind is that I, I have the same mentality, but I'm also now really aware that I don't need as much as I previously told myself I needed, you know, I don't, yes, maybe I want to look, you know, um, I don't be more stylish or something, um, by having multiple pairs of shoes or multiple jackets, you know, like a brown and a black and a, and a colorful one or whatever. But, um, I think I, I, my mindset has changed a little bit that I, now I don't, I don't feel like I need anything. I feel like I, I have everything I need and, um, which is very, very lucky situation to be in. And I know not everybody is that way, but, um, yeah, I think that mindset has just changed. Like when I look in my closet and see, I can't possibly wear all of these clothes. Why do I have all of these clothes? I can't possibly, like you said, with your pajamas, I've realized the same about myself. Books. I love books. I, my to be read list is gigantic, but I cannot read all of the, even if I had all the time in the world to read, I for one wouldn't be disciplined enough to sit down and do it for all of that time. I just am not going to be able to read it all. And so it's just sitting on my shelf here, collecting, collecting dust looks adorable, but whatever I can, I don't have to keep it. So, um, yeah, I missed your original question. What was it? What, what thoughts go through your mind that are helping you decide to let things go? Thank you. Okay. So I think the, the number Number five, couple of things, just kidding. I think the few things that stick out in my mind the most um, as I'm cleaning is just, why do I feel so attached to this item? Because I'm realizing that I'm, I find comfort in things because I feel prepared, because it feels, uh, it feels, oh, this sounds really weird, but it almost feels like a loving item. If it's something somebody gifted me or something that I've had for many, many years or is symbolic in some sort of way, um, I, I have an attachment to it. And so finding out what that attachment is and like really thinking, why is this thing important to me, this one item? And if I died tomorrow, would somebody recognize that this was important to me? Or would, would did they hold it up and be like, why does she have this? Donate, you know, and, and it's out the door. So recognizing the value that I have assigned to things has been a big, uh, change of mindset because it might not be that valuable to somebody else. And what kind of, I've said this earlier, but what kind of burden am I leaving my family if they have to handle all of this stuff for me that I claim was so important? So yeah, just kind of walking around my, I've been, I've been attacking rooms and places at a time. So we started with our kitchen 
And then I, I might be walking around the house and I'll see a bookshelf and I'm like, okay, this bookshelf is what I'm attacking right now. And I'll handle it. Or I'll recognize we have 8 million reusable bags. In Germany, you have to reuse reusable bags for everything or crates. Uh, they don't, you have to pay for plastic bags if you're going to buy them. And um, so we have a million reusable bags because I forget mine and buy a new one. And that recognizing how many we have and bringing them all to one place, like Maria, Maria Kondo taught, which I thought was very valuable, pulling it all into one space and looking and taking inventory and stock of what you have and seeing, we can't use all these bags. Why do we have all these bags? So those are kind of the main things that I've been um, really working through. I have, I seriously have like 27 questions that I typed out <laughs> on my phone that are just constantly going through my brain of, um, yeah, as I'm going through this process. Yeah, I loved your questions so much. And maybe we'll put them in the show notes for people to see um, because they are really, really helpful. Um, and I absolutely would recommend the documentary. I think it was really helpful. Like you talked about, um, it, it's not selling you anything. It's literally selling you on the opposite of, of buying things. Um, and one of the big things they talk about is like, what void are you filling with buying the things? You know, is it because fear or loneliness or whatever that is? And figuring that out for yourself was such a big um, part of that for me. And that was really, really helpful. Um, but okay, here's what I know all the like creative people listening are asking is what do I do about all the pretty things, all the paper, all the art supplies, um, all of those things? Like, what do you? do with them. And I know for me, it's really hard, but it's gotten easier over time as I think I have developed my style and I have gotten really honest with about what I use and what I do. And so I used to have so much scrapbook paper and I literally moved it to three different continents. But then I realized I'm not scrapbooking anymore. And this paper is not my style anymore. And so it made it super easy to donate to an art class. Um, what about you? How are you going through all the pretty things and all your creative stuff? I, I made myself, it's downstairs, so I can't show you, but I made myself a little post-it note that is like perma taped to my table down there, which is where I do all my stuff. And it says, just because it's pretty doesn't mean you have to own it. And I have to tell myself that all the time because I want to have all the pretty things. And by pretty things, I am not even talking about like knickknacks. I'm talking about anything that I think is pretty in a magazine, fabric, which I don't even sew, but I will buy fabric if it's pretty because I'm like, oh, I could make something like a pillow someday. Um, clothing, whatever. If if it's pretty, I feel like I want to have it. And I, I have to break that mindset for myself because I don't have to own it. It can be pretty and it can live in its place. And this is such a ridiculous analogy, but it's very real for me. I think about when my kids pick me flowers and they bring it to me and they're so excited to give me this beautiful flower and they don't really recognize that now that thing is going to die. <laughs> if they had left it in the ground, it might grow and we could enjoy it a little bit longer, but they've plucked it out of the ground to give to me as a lovely, lovely gift. And I'm very excited and I put it in water. But if it had stayed in the ground, it would have lived and flourished and, you know, been available for all to see. And I just think that about myself, like, I don't have to have and own all these pretty things, even though I feel like it. So the things that I have been keeping back, I really have to think about, is this, I just want this because it's pretty, or is this something that's going to 
benefit my life by me bringing it into the house? Or is it going to be a chore for myself later, a stress that I have to clean and move around and worry if it's broken and eventually get rid of for, you know, maybe nothing of what I paid for it or all of that. And also the financial, like how much money and time am I putting into owning this thing that I think is pretty? And that's really changed a lot. But for creatives, and I don't know that this helps, but if something that that is a physical object that is taking up space in my life that's that is really pretty and I think is adorable, but I don't want to own it anymore, but I kind of want some sort of memory of it. I've been taking pictures of some things before I get rid of them. And those can go in a journal or in a scrapbook page. And even then, sometimes I decide to get rid of them after I've taken the picture. And that's, it's just kind of been like a step down process. I get rid of the item, keep the picture. Okay, let's get rid of the picture. I just, I don't need any of this anymore. Yeah, you said so many really great things. And I think the like the emotional and the like physical cost of things is a big um factor that I've had to realize too of now I have to like go through like the mental anguish of like oh gosh I have to put away my pajamas again and it's like such an ordeal and I'm going to spend all of this time working on the stupidest thing possible organizing my pajamas you know Um, and so reminding myself of that like I don't want that down the road Um, it helps me not bring things in and does help me release things because I'm like I'm spending way too much energy on these pajamas. Like I can, I can let them go. Um, and I agree. One thing that's really helped me with craft projects lately is when I'm in the store and I see something or I'm online, you know, and I'm like, Oh, I, I love that fabric. I want to get it, you know, do something with it. And I think, okay, am I going to do it tonight? Like, am I going to sit down and get out my sewing machine and make this pillow cover tonight? And if the answer is no, then I leave it And it will be there later when I come back for it. And hint, I never go back for it. Um, And if I really, really am thinking about something like nonstop, I'll let myself go back for it because I'm like, clearly I am going to use this thing. Um, But if it's just like a spur of the moment, oh, that's pretty. I could do something with it. I ask myself, what am I going to do with it? And am I going to work on it today or in the next day or two? And if the answer is no, then I leave it. And when I have time to work on a new craft project, then I'll go buy the fabric or whatever the supply is. And I think that that has helped me a lot and showed me that like, impulsive, ADD, excitable seven me has way more ideas than actual physical human Lauren me who has time and ideas and energy to do things. Yes. Um, Yes. And I think another question, all of these words that we're saying come down to in my mind and correct me if I'm wrong. How, how am I wanting to live my life? And I don't want to live my life organizing pajamas. I don't want to live my life cleaning my house. I don't want to deal with errand running. I mean, buying an item is when you really think about it, the amount of time you spend shopping for it, cleaning it, caring for it, moving it around your house, protecting it, ensuring it, whatever it is that you do, a lot of time is involved in owning an item. And when I think about all of that time, I think about so many other things that I would rather be doing. Like the number seven, the Enneagram seven in me, adventure is like my, if you want to give me a gift, give me an adventure. If you want to make me happy, take me on an adventure. That's what I want to do. I I want to be spending time with my kids. I want to be homeschooling them. I want to be going and traveling the world. And all of this stuff is keeping me from doing that. 
So, and making pretty things. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of this stuff is keeping me from doing that. So the less stuff I have, ideally, the more life I would be able to live. And that's kind of the mantra that I'm just going through my head that, is this what I want to be doing with my time? I don't want to be washing so many clothes. Why do we own so many clothes? You know, I don't want to be cleaning up my kitchen. Why does it take so long to clean my kitchen? Because I have so much stuff. So it's just that mindset of changing. What is it that I want to do with my time? And how do I offload all of this stuff that's keeping me from what I want to do? And I think when you kind of can work the productivity and the minimalism parts together, you can find those like routines. And so I'm with you. Like the more stuff I get rid of in my kitchen, it feels like the less time I spend in there. And so every night I have made it a point to go through and just wash whatever dishes are in the sink so that I start the next day with no dishes. And it's not as overwhelming because we don't have as many. We have a dishwasher, of course. Um But getting those routines and habits set up and not having a ton of stuff so I'm not dreading it is making my life so much better. And even though routines and, you know, are a struggle for me, those little things, having less stuff makes routines so much easier for me and for my brain. Because when I come into like my art studio, it's so overwhelming because there is so much stuff in here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to get out my drill to work on jewelry because it's underneath a bunch of stuff. And I have to like go through like unmoving everything. And then that creates a bigger mess. And so that's one of my goals. Um, is figuring out what is enough for me and like when my house is minimized. And so I feel like for me, it's more of a feeling, you know, it's not like a number, like I can only own a hundred things, but it's when everything has a place and nothing is out and nothing is like stacked on top of each other. And it feels good to be in that room right now. I am fully aware that my studio, so my studio is, this is my office. Terrell's office is right here. Um, this is our guest room. And then that this is our TV room. And then that's our storage back there. So this room is like multifunctioning, like so, so much. And I'm so grateful for it, but I am like overwhelmed when I'm in here because there is stuff stacked everywhere and stuff crammed in everything. And so we're trying our best to get rid of things. And so I think when I can be in a room and not feel overwhelmed by it, that's how I know it's minimized. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the same thing. We so I think I said this, but we attacked our kitchen first. And from what I've been told by professionals and people who know more than me, that's not the first room you should start on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, we went there because I was like, this is the most commonly used room in our home. And German homes or older German homes, the rooms are really compartmentalized. So our kitchen has a door and it's a room and it's separate. So we have our living room and dining room is a hallway away. So when I'm in the kitchen, it's not like I can't see the kids and what they're doing. It's not like, I don't know, and what I imagine more American homes to be where there's kind of a more open floor plan and you can see other things. So that that uh, closed off room being the kitchen where everybody always wants to be is, you know, like a, the size of a bedroom. It's not huge and it gets chaotic in there. And so we used to keep all of our appliances on the counter because we didn't have, we didn't have place to put them in our cabinets. And when we went through there and realized we don't need all of this stuff that we have, let's get rid of it. And we gutted the kitchen. And, and some people look at my kitchen now and they're like, 
this doesn't feel very homey. It doesn't feel like it has much stuff in it, but it, and I agree with you, it doesn't look very homey, but it is such a peaceful feeling going in my kitchen because for one, it's so easy to clean up that we can do it in a matter of minutes instead of forever. And then weird thing, which I never have ever done in my life. And I didn't expect such a difference being able to keep the appliances that we don't use. We kept, we kept two, we kept our air fryer because my kids are constantly using that to cook and our toaster, but otherwise my KitchenAid mixer and my crock, my crock pot and my Instapot all went under the cabinet and we pull them out to use them. And then they go back in the cabinet because we have space now because we got rid of so much other stuff. And so walking into my kitchen is such a like sigh of joy and comfort now. And we are, we're all in there and it doesn't feel as chaotic as it did before because we just don't have that much stuff in there. So it's just such a huge change in just how we all behave and doing the dishes doesn't, like you said, doesn't feel overwhelming because my kids each have one plate. We kept a stack of 12 plates for when we have like our nice plates for when we have, um, you know, guests, we haven't in over a year, but mm-hmm. we kept those. And then my kids each have their own plate, which we had a giant stack of kids, plastic plates, and they each got to keep one that's different. So they know their plate. And after they've used their plate, they have to wash it or put it in the dishwasher. And if they want to use it again, they pull mm-hmm. out their plate and it's made life so streamlined because they're not grabbing multiple plates. And another thing, this is really dumb maybe, but our babies they have sippy cups. And when all my other kids, the other four were little, we had multiple sippy cups because if they got one dirty, we put it in the dishwasher and we'd use another one. These ones have one sippy cup and we use it and we wash it and then we use it again and they just have one. And if we lose it, we, they don't get to drink out of it. So it's made, it's, it's just what we need. We don't need anything more than that. So I fully agree. We have been minimizing down to only having one of things too. And it does make a huge difference. Like it feels so much easier and I don't have choices to make. Like it's like a routine, you know, like I grab my pink water bottle and it's the one that I have. Um, And I've never been in an emergency situation where I needed an extra water bottle, you know? So it is one of those situations that you think in your head, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need something. I'm going to need all of these things. But if you really experience it, you're like, oh, I never have needed 14 water bottles. Um, And so that's been a big thing that I have learned. And so one of the tricks that I have done as we've been minimizing, um, I've kind of done two things. So it's two tricks. Um, One, if I'm not sure about something, I will like put it in a box and put it away And if I really find myself needing it and I'll go through that box and try and pull it out, then I do need it. But likely in a month, in six months, if I haven't opened that box, it means I didn't need that thing. And so I'm able to let go of it um, if there is something that I wasn't sure about. And another thing that I've done that I found really helpful is I will like pull everything out of a room or a space and I will only put back in what I want there, you know, like a shelf, like I'll decorate it really nicely. And then I'll be like, okay, so this huge pile of other stuff that was crammed onto that shelf either needs to be gotten rid of or needs to go have a different home. Um, So it's helped me to be able to envision immediately because like I need that instant gratification. Um, you know, it's really hard for me just to go through everything at one time, but to be able to choose a section, pull everything out, 
put only back what I want it to look like, and then I can actually see that, it really makes the big difference. It gives me that motivation to keep going. And so I love that you did that with your kitchen as you were able to see, oh my gosh, this does have a huge, huge benefit and payoff for me. Um, And it encourages you to keep going. And one thing that people asked about was, what do you do with all this stuff? It feels wasteful. And it does feel wasteful. Um, You are the queen of this. So give us like a quick rundown of what you do with everything you're getting rid of. Okay. I probably spend way too much time thinking about how to get rid of stuff because in all these minimalist shows, they say you have to get rid of it that day or it's not effective. And maybe that is the case for most people. I have yet to pull something out. If I have said this, you're dead to me to this item, and and it's I know that it's been taken out of the room, like you said, it, it doesn't, it hasn't come back for me yet, but w- we'll see. Um, so I, like I said, spend way too much time on this, but I really don't want to be getting rid of stuff in a very flippant way. I want to get rid of it, really conscious of of where this item is going, um, and so for example, um, like bras for women and and underwear for all of our whole family. I don't know what to do with that stuff. And I assume that other people don't want our used undergarments. Um, But I found out while I was searching one day that there is an organization, I have to look up who they are, but um, they take old bras um, and undergarments for women. And they, uh, if you send them to them, you have to, I think you have to pay for postage, which I don't mind doing, but um, you send it to them and they give it to women who own their own businesses who like fix the clothing and repurpose it and recycle the fabrics and add new underwire or remove stains or whatever it might be and then sell it in their stores. And I love that idea because that's going to somebody who can actually make good use of this item that, you know, I'm done with. Um, I try to recycle as much as I can I'm from Seattle here in Germany, they recycle everything. So I'm trying to find ways to recycle things. Puzzles, when we were getting rid of tons of puzzles that we had, we found some um, nursing homes and retirement homes and old folks homes that we could send the puzzles to because they are always looking for new puzzles. So I'm, I feel really purposeful about where I'm sending things, which is maybe not the best advice for everybody because it definitely takes longer to get it out of your house and is more work, but I'm okay with that because I would rather it go to a place that is useful than me just, and this is me personally, than me just saying I'm done with this. At the same time, we do donate a ton of stuff. And here in Germany, it there are thrift stores, but it does not work like in the States where you can just go to Goodwill and drop off your stuff and they take it at any time of the day. We have some, a thrift store on base, but it's only open very specific hours for when you can drop stuff off and they can't take everything. And then I found recently an organization um, near us that takes stuff, but they only take certain stuff as well. So it's been like a really complicated process of finding like I have piles of things that go to all of these different places, but I'm okay with that. And it just, I think this depends on each person's level of how much they want to commit to where this item that's leaving them is going to go. Yeah. I think that's a perfect um, example is anything that you're getting rid of that you feel bad, you know, you don't want to just like throw away or just donate. You could probably sell or there's an organization out there who's looking for that thing. And if you're willing to take those extra steps to get rid of them, if that makes you feel better about getting rid of them and will help motivate you, 
like literally motivate you of like, Hey, I have extra stuff and there's someone who needs it. Like I can send it directly to them. Um, that is a great thing to do. And, uh, you know, I've sold stuff on Facebook marketplace and Poshmark and, you know, different things like that. If you have sunk cost bias, which I am definitely guilty of is I feel like I put money into this thing and now I'm just going to get rid of it. Um, and sometimes I just want it gone. And, you know, I understand like I got my money's worth and sometimes I'm really struggling with it. So I'll try and sell it. And someone's always willing to buy it. And people are like looking for good deals on like Facebook marketplace or wherever you are. Um, So I think that's a really encouraging reminder that there's someone who needs the thing that you're getting rid of. And so it's not just like going to the dump, please don't send it to the dump, you know, find somewhere to to do with it. Yeah. And I do sell a ton of stuff too. I want to make that clear. Mm -hmm. You're the eBay queen. Oh my gosh. I love it. It's so fun. I think like you said, that sometimes you feel like you put a lot of money into it. It, I do feel like I have to be a good steward of our finances because we, we spent money on some of these items. And some of these items, I remember when we were very first married and we were, I was going to the thrift store praying that I could find a pair of black pants for a job interview that I had. And there were times that we did not have any money. And when I I was like, how am I going to find this specific item that I need for something at the thrift store? And I would be in tears when God would provide this very specific thrift store that I went to, this one item that I needed. So I know on the the receiving end, what a blessing it is to find nice things that don't have holes in them, you know, that are still have a lot of life left in Mm -hmm. them. So I'm all for donating, but I'm also want to be careful of all the money that we've spent on some of these things. And some of the stuff that I'm donating, like you were talking about scrapbooking stuff. It's easy for me to just take a ton of random scrapbook stuff that I've accumulated from all of the companies, but a thrift store might not always know what it is they're receiving. And I'm not talking about like paper. I'm talking about like all the ephemera stuff that you use. And in some ways I've asked some of my friends that work at thrift stores for sorting. And they've said that some things donated are kind of a burden because they don't know what to do with it because they don't know how to price it. They don't know how to like put it together in a package to sell So, um, I, I kind of have that thought going in the back of my mind too. So I sell a ton of stuff on eBay and I, we generally like if I sell something, um, that was from my scrapbook stuff or from toys or whatever, I'll, I'll take that money and put it into something that we want to do, like an adventure, something fun that we want to do. We, we spent years paying off all of our debt, um, by stuff I sold on eBay And now, since we're getting ready to move, all of these appliances that I'm listing on Facebook Marketplace, all that money that I'm getting from those appliances goes in an envelope, and we're going to have to rebuy new appliances when we get to the States. So that money is going to be taken over that way. But again, it's that mindset of just like, how much do I actually need? You know, could somebody else use this item? Is this something I need to be a good steward of our finances about? And just asking yourself all of those questions. It sounds like a lot now that we're talking about it, but it flows really easily when you're in the process. It does. It does. And I mean, we've both been working on this for months now. So this is not like a immediate thing. I mean, I we've both definitely have lost days to like organizing and going through our stuff and selling stuff. Um, and, you know, right now I have a huge bin of clothes I need to list on Poshmark and I'm just waiting until I have some more free time. I'm not in a big, huge rush, but I do want them out of my house, you know. Um, 
And the minimalist is who created the documentary, The Less Is Now. And they have like a rule book and we'll link to it that I thought was really helpful for some of the mindset shifts that you can learn so much more about minimizing from them. Um, But again, I think that they're men, they're not artists. They, you know, have a different um, kind of mindset that they're bringing to it. So that's why I wanted um, us to talk about this because not, I just truly don't think enough people like us are talking about their struggles and what they're accomplishing in the worlds of productivity and um, minimizing because it is really, really hard. And like I said, it takes a lot of physical, emotional, mental effort for me to manage myself in a day. Um, but getting these kind of things done is really important to me and it helps grow my creativity. You know, I will always, always preach that the less stuff you have, the more creative you are with it. You know, it's like the Kids play, we know, you know, literally we know scientifically that kids play on a deeper level when they have less toys, you know, when they have less stimuli and less overwhelm. Um, And so I know that's true for us and our creativity too. And, you know, I have been getting rid of art supplies for years and not rebuying anything. And I have never run out of supplies and I am always learning new ways to use the current supplies that I have. Um, And so that's kind of another, like kind of the next step in it is, you know, the ability to creatively problem solve when you don't have something you think you might need, but likely if you do some Mm -hmm. Googling, you will figure out how to use that supplier that, you know, your air fryer, like literally an air fryer is so so useful. Um, but you might would think, oh, I also need to buy like a crock pot and this and this and this and this. But if you just Google, I bet you could figure out how to cook whatever you're trying to cook in your air fryer. Um, that's a weird example, but use what you have really, really well. And it will make a big difference. And it's like a creative game for me. Like I feel like so triumphant when I figure out a new way to use something I have and I save us money from not having to go buy the new thing. Do you, do you agree? Oh, I totally agree. And this is such a dumb example, but we, we got rid of our whisk in our kitchen. The thing annoyed me because I would always get stuck in the drawer if anything was underneath it. And Mm -hmm. I can use a fork the same way I can use a whisk. And I'm sure professional chefs are like audibly gasping at hearing this, but a fork literally does the exact same thing in my kitchen as a whisk does. So the whisk is gone and I'm Mm -hmm. okay about it. Yeah. I think that's a great great example is that and that that's something that I hear like minimalists talk about a lot is you don't need gadgets like you have a fork you can do so much with a fork you don't need need 10 gadgets that are going to do the same essential thing um so figuring those kind of things out has been really helpful and we don't have time to go into like everything but like I said there are people whose jobs are like this is all they do is talk about minimalism but like how to communicate with other people in your house how to not ask for gifts, you know, how to tell people don't, please don't give us stuff because I totally agree. We came home from Christmas with so much stuff. Um, so it's a whole, like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole rabbit hole. You can go down. And so I'll link some of my favorite things in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. You can find the show notes. Um, but I hope this was really helpful and inspiring. Amy, thank you so much for hanging out and sharing all of your, um, wisdom with us. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope it was helpful to somebody. Oh, I definitely think it will be. Um, what's new with you? Where can we find you? What What are you creating and working on right now? Um, I am just trying to... <laughs> 
keep our life together in this gigantic move at this moment. So I'm excited for when I get to Arizona, I will be able to start taking clients again, not immediately, but I haven't been able to take clients for a very long time due to living overseas. So that's the next project up in front of me is I've been working behind the scenes to get my website, everything revamped. So I'm ready to hit the ground running when I'm able to, once we get to um, Arizona. And right now um, you can find me on Instagram at adventuring with Amy B. Um, and my photography is at Amy B photography on Instagram as well. And um, my blog and my website are kind of down right now while I'm redoing them. So there's not much there, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Is your print shop open? Oh, and my print shop is open. Yes. Thank you. Um, I've been slowly adding prints, um, or images to a, a, a website where people can buy prints to hang in their home. And that, oh my gosh, you have to link that because it's, it's at big cartel and it's at Amy B photography, but I don't know which order they go in. <laughs> I should know that. That's fine. Yeah. We'll have links to everything. And you know, the link of course is in Amy's profile in Instagram. So again, she's adventuring with Amy B on Instagram and you can find her again at the show notes are lauren likescom slash podcast. Um, Thank you guys so much. If you have more questions about minimalism um, or productivity, please let us know. I hope this was somewhat helpful and you at least feel seen and understood um, that you're not the only creative person who struggles with this and wants to be better, but you have to embrace who you are and figure out a way that works for you. So thank you guys so much and we'll see you next time for another episode. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes blog and using the hashtag how she creates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something.